So our final speaker is our, our very own uh, Dean of the St. Mark's Academic Institute, um, Shuan Thomas-Gibson, my consultant colleague in endoscopy at St. Mark's, Chairman of JAG, general all-round superstar. <laughs> so Shuan, tell us about uh, post the thing we most dread, the post-colonoscopy colorectal cancer. Thanks. Well, it follows on nicely from Kevin's talk. And in fact, I'm going to share a case of my own, because I think in the spirit of openness, uh, we have to accept that this will happen from time to time. And I also want to thank the two fellows who have been involved in collecting this data. Um, I'm going to also start with a case study and then just cover uh, the rest of these points in, in the next 10 minutes. And please remember you can submit questions on the app as we go along if you'd like to. So um, our case is of a 79-year-old lady with uh, some comorbidities. And her first uh, colonoscopy was done in another centre uh, where they found a large rectosigmoid polyp and the lady was referred on to see us. And in October of 2016, she had a diagnostic flexi-sig to assess uh, the polyp to see its suitability for resection. And she was found to have a 30 by 30 millimeter, uh, what's called LSTG, so a granular laterally spreading tumor or lesion in the rectosigmoid. But also, interestingly, a 10 millimeter rectal polyp that hadn't previously been commented on. She had some health issues, so then she came back in January, a couple of months later. She had her colonoscopy, which was her third uh, procedure by this time, um, and a, she had a piecemeal EMR of the rectosigmoid polyp. And in fact, there were three rectal polyps, not one rectal polyp, uh, 8, 10, and 4 millimetres. Um, this is a, a picture of one of them. And the, um, the histology was that the rectosigmoid polyp was a uh, low-grade, mostly low-grade adenoma with a focus of high-grade dysplasia. And the rectal polyps were all low-grade dysplastic adenomas, and the histopathologist kindly told us that they were completely excised. The, the piecemeal resection, obviously, you can't tell that. So she came back, as is guidelines then and now, after a piecemeal EMR for a site check at, uh, in August of 2017, and she then had her colonoscopy, which is her fourth colonoscopy, um, with uh, four different uh, endoscopists altogether. And the scar from the EMR was well healed with no recurrence. There'd been a tattoo placed at the uh, index procedure, so uh, the scar was easily identified. Um, but to my horror, in the rectum, there was this lesion. I don't know if we can put the lights down. Can we have the lights down, please? Uh, and you can see here that it was centrally depressed and looked suspicious for invasion. It was 20 millimetres, a 2A plus 2C <coughs> lesion. So she went on the following month uh, to have an ESD uh, by my colleague, uh, Noriko uh, Suzuki, uh, and that was a well-differentiated adenocarcinoma arising in a sessile serrated adenoma uh, with, with full clearance. And that was nine months after the uh, previous colonoscopy, and therefore, by definition, that's a post-colonoscopy cancer. For, for brevity, I'm going to call it a PCC. Uh, so there's the ESD specimen. So the WEO has defined PCCs in this paper published in 2018 in gastroenterology. And if you follow through the algorithm, I know it's very busy, but basically if you focus on the three boxes, um, you, you decide whether or not, uh, if the interval is more than four years, then it's probably reasonable to assume, uh, given everything else, that it's possibly a, a new colorectal cancer. Um, I won't go through all of these, but for example, if it's less than four years, then you ask the question, was an advanced adenoma seen in the same bowel segment? And if yes, was the lesion resected? And if yes, 
then you can possibly assume that it's likely incomplete resection of a previously identified lesion, and so on. So, the first question, uh, this is a VBOX question. So, I want you to consider our case, and uh, my case, and decide if that was, uh, the cancer was a possible missed lesion with a prior examination adequate. And the definition of adequate is that the procedure is complete to the cecum with adequate bowel preparation. That's the definition by the WEO. Um, or whether it was a possible missed lesion with prior examination negative for cancer, that is, but inadequate, i.e. not to the cecum. Was it a lesion that was detected but not resected? Or was it likely incomplete resection of a previously identified lesion? Or was it possibly uh, likely a new cancer? So a mixed set of answers there. So it's actually quite difficult to, to define uh, these cases. Um, so uh, it's a split, really, as to whether or not you think it was a missed lesion, which is what I think it was, A, uh, or whether it was incompletely resected. Well, our pathologists told us that the distal rectal polyps were completely resected, and the rectosigmoid uh, polyp, we could see the scar with the tattoo opposite, and this was very distal. So it wasn't the original big high-grade dysplastic lesion. So I think it was a missed lesion that a number of us, including myself, had missed. And actually, there's one picture in retroflexion across all of those procedures. And you can see a lesion here, but of course, we did pick up rectal lesions. And so I assume the, the assumption was that we had resected this lesion. But I wonder, in retrospect, whether actually that was an additional lesion that hadn't been seen. So, what is a PCC and why is it relevant? Well, it is, as I've said, the preferred term for cancers appearing after colonoscopy in which no cancer is diagnosed. And it's used, therefore, to... Uh, we use it to describe cancers that are identified beyond six months. And the reason for that is that within six months of a colonoscopy, there may be a bit of toing and froing, a reassessment of a lesion, some biopsies, and then a coming back for a uh, further procedure and so on. So you're given six months grace, if you like. But for consistency and to permit benchmarking, all of our services in, in England, uh, certainly, and in the UK, uh, we should be um, looking, uh, considering the PCC as anything that occurs between six months and three years. Why is it important? Well, I think this is obvious. It's actually the principal measure of quality in a colonoscopy service, because ultimately, the vast majority of colonoscopy we do, after all, is to detect or to mitigate risk for developing colorectal cancer. Unlike other KPIs, such as ADR, for example, it is, of course, a direct measure of quality rather than a surrogate. But there are a number of challenges with it. They are fortunately rare enough that on an individual level, it's difficult to measure the quality of my colonoscopy based on my personal PCC because it's a rare event. Um, but it's also challenging because the colonoscopy that I do, uh, if I miss a cancer, the cancer may prevent in another hospital, so I won't necessarily know about that. So this is really super hot off the press. We're giving you a, a number of hot off the press articles. This was published in the BMJ uh, the week before last, and some of you may have seen it in the Times and various other newspapers. And Eva Morris, uh, some familiar names there, Matt Rutter, Roland Valori and team, have um, now published the data for PCCs in England. And you can get your, if, you're, if you work in England, you can apply to them and get your own uh, unit's data. And if you're having a GERFT visit, you will receive your own data. And it is slightly out of date. It refers to colonoscopies performed between 2005 and 2013 because, of course, there's a lead time. So this is cancers detected within three years 
of that. And the data is presented in three-year um, uh, series. I'm just going to give you some highlights of the data. The first thing to say is that the overall um, PCC rate for this time is around 7.5%, but actually there's very wide variation, as you can see. Some services, these are all of the services in England, uh, shown in these two graphs. So the range is from around three, just over 3% to 13% with different providers, with uh, quite a widespread, as you can see. And they present the data as unadjusted and adjusted rates, and I'll go into that in a moment. And as I've said, um, if you're one of the outliers, either in a negative sense or a positive sense, your CEO and clinical lead will already have been sent your data. Um, but also at your GERFT visit, you will be given your figures, and we've had our GERFT visit. So this is the data for an outlier, and you can see this is unadjusted data. So you can see the outlier is here above the 98th centile. But actually, when you risk-adjust it for high-risk cases, such as a high-risk IBD or some of the other high-risk um, uh, diagnoses, which I'll go through in a moment, then this uh, outlier comes down below the confidence intervals, but still above the, uh, the average. But importantly, the rates in England have declined. And as you know, through JAG and other measures, there have been a lot of quality improvement programmes as, as well with the BSG. And so it's declined from a rate overall of about 9% down to 6.7%. The rate of 7.5% is overall for the time period. So at 2013, at the end of their study, it had dropped to 6.7%. Rates in the bowel cancer screening programme, as you'd expect, are much lower. And of course, there is a, a quality badge to the BCS, but it is a different patient population after all. Of course, we accept that. And really interestingly, if you think of our case, um, the rates of PCC are higher in women, higher in older people, those with diverticulosis, those with IBD and other comorbidities, and those with a previous cancer diagnosis of any kind. So we were already uh, looking at our PCCs at St. Mark's, and we did, um, Diego, one of our fellows, did a, a look back at data, so slightly different time period between 2012 and 2017, and I'm going to give you an idea, and really all of you should be doing this. So the way we did it was we looked at all colorectal cancers, and then we identified any of those who had negative colonoscopy only at our institution. So we could only look at the colonoscopies that had been done. And we extended it out to 48 months, which is what they encourage you to do, although most of the published data is for 36 months. And we found 36 cases. Um, the mean interval to, to PCC from colonoscopy was nearly two years. Um, a good uh, number, 40% nearly, we were in the right colon. Um, over half of them, their prior colonoscopy had been done by a, by a senior endoscopist, a consultant. And interestingly, only 11% of patients with poor preparation had their procedures repeated. And of course, some of those may have been appropriate if they were elderly and frail and so on, but it's something to look at. So when we looked at our cases, we, we decided what we looked at what we thought the most plausible cases for, causes for the PCC was. And in uh, nearly 60%, they had a high-risk indication, and I'm going to show some of that data in a moment. But a good number, nearly a third, were thought to be probably missed lesions for one reason or another, and then um, some of the other causes as we've identified. What are the factors? Well, as I say, uh, the majority of these cases were done by a consultant. Um, in the majority of cases, the bowel preparation was adequate, but 25% poor prep was associated with the previous colonoscopy. 
and this is really important um, as chair of JAG, is that um, quite a high number of the cases had gone beyond their breach date. And we had a very strict criteria for this audit in that it was any extension beyond, even a week beyond their due date. Um, it just illustrates the fact that these high-risk patients really are high-risk and we need to be on top of surveillance. So I've got two slides that show um, the, the sort of flavour of the cases that we had at St Mark's, and you will see um, that there was a significant number of high-risk indications, bearing in mind that we receive a lot of the more complex and more difficult IBD to survey, including things like Lynch syndrome. There were, there were several that had poor prep that were not rebooked, and that, again, might have been for good reason, but you need to look at that. Um, the second set of the cohort, again, a lot of the high-risk indications, and this was interesting as well, a number of them in what are deemed to be those high-risk areas, so flexures, hepatic flexure, rectosigmoid, and so on. So what are we doing about it, and what should you be doing about it? Well, now it is a requirement that you do a root cause analysis, a requirement by JAG, of all PCCs that you identify. And we've developed an electronic pro forma with our IT service. And the idea is that we will when a PCC is identified, we'll do an RCA to look at it. Uh, and we've developed our own pro forma. You can do the same. We've used the WEO criteria. So closing the feedback loop is really important. So when we identify a case, it's reported to our clinical lead, uh, Dr. Humphreys here. It's reviewed in our weekly business meeting. The learning points are discussed and shared with the endoscopist, and then we'll be presenting audits every six months. So what about our, our lady, the lady that uh, I was involved with? Well, I think it's really important to remember that you photo document, and when there is pathology, make sure that you still carefully assess the whole of the colon, particularly paying attention to those blind spots. This is a radiology term that I think, sorry, also applies in endoscopy. So beware this concept of satisfaction of search. There's a big lesion looking at you, but just remember there may be other important pathology around. We've already heard about the high-risk nature of multiplicity of polyps. And high-risk patients, remember who they are. And this lady, as I say, had a number of those risk factors. So just to finish, I'm not going to go through these because there is evidence for all of these things. We all know this as an endoscopist, okay? But the take-home messages for me is that PCC is a principal measure of the quality of colonoscopy. And now that our data is available, you can, uh, you can request that and you should be auditing your own figures uh, with a root cause analysis. Importantly, to learn and then share understanding. And it isn't something that is, should be part of a blame culture. You need to feedback in a non-judgmental way because the goal, obviously, is to facilitate learning and improve quality of care. Thank you. That's fantastic, Shuan. Um, very sort of um, sobering to see, see that data, really, with the big variation. And it's quite a high percentage of all colorectal cancers, even in, in, even in the good centres. One of the things, obviously, is not to miss anything. And recently, we did the adenoma study using the endocuff. And one of the really surprising findings from that was that even though the study wasn't powered for cancer, there was a significantly lower cancer rate or higher uh, detection of cancer in the endocuff patients, uh, colonoscopy patients. Do you think there are things which are going to make a difference? 
I do. And um, I mean, the authors, uh, and in fact, we, a couple of us have written a letter in response to this. I think things have improved probably since 2013. There have been a number of initiatives. As you know, I briefly mentioned the BSG eQuip program. Um, devices such as EndoCup uh, uh, is clearly, I, I, to my mind, going to be beneficial. Um, certainly, one of the things that I've changed in terms of my practice is I retroflex in every patient where it's safe to do so at the beginning of the procedure, in every case. Because if you're distracted by pathology or you've got a big polyp in a Roth net, you're not really going to go back in and do that. And so uh, the, that's part of the BSG eQuip programme. So I think there are a number of things, and I would hope that that rate will still keep coming down. Okay, so we've got time for two more questions. I'm aware Dr Humphreys wants to ask, but we've got one on VVOX. So this is quite an interesting question. If a PCC is detected in a colonoscopy done by a senior clinician um, meeting all KPIs, would this patient need to be referred for further genetic testing? So I think what they're asking is if you're senior and you've got good KPIs, could it be that it's occurred as a sort of de novo tumour? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that's the whole point of doing a shared RCA is, uh, is that it is discussed and you look at their risk factors and clearly if they're young or they've had multiple lesions or it's an unusual one, perhaps serrated or, uh, you know, you, you look at the immunohistochemistry, then that might guide you as to whether or not it is, could be a rapidly progressive tumour. But actually, the big news is even very senior endoscopists can miss cancers. And amongst us, when we go through the 36, I'm not going to name and shame, but we're virtually all of us are on the list, is all I will say. Um, so even the best can, can miss Very it. good question here on, on, on Vivo. Should all colonoscopies have the video stored for later review in case of PCC? Should we be moving towards saying, right, we're just going to record the whole thing? So uh, people often ask me that, and patients often ask me that. Um, I don't know what everybody else's NHS IT is like, but I'm told... Should we ask the audience? Yeah. Who, th who thinks we should video well, record? Yeah, let's all. ask the audience who already videos every videos and stores every colonoscopy. Fantastic. Is that in England? No. OK. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and who does? Who thinks that you should video record every, every colonoscopy? With endless resource. Yeah. So with endless resource, if we had endless resource, then why not? I mean, I, you know, you know, I'm very keen. Apart from anything, it's a fantastic teaching resource. Um, you know, it's it's uh, certainly where it has been done. Uh, there was a big uh, there was a big issue in one part of the country, and they had been prospectively recording all of their cases, and that allowed us uh, allowed us to look back at, at the cases, and actually, you could tell a lot from from those videoed cases. So thank you. In the interest of time, because we have to move on, um, I'd like to thank you very much for that very interesting talk. I know, I know a lot of you had, had questions, so uh, the faculty are going to be interacting over coffee. If you have any questions, keep them. Come, come and find us at coffee, and we, we can uh, debate and talk things through and answer your questions.